Does my hair look okay? Or does it look funny? <laughs> so, um, there are few things more stressful to me than showing up somewhere totally unprepared. Uh, whether that be like, you know, a family holiday or like a test or like, this is why I like basically had a 4.0 my entire college experience is because like I, it would be so much more stressful to me to show up somewhere not being prepared for something that I was about to do um, or a meeting or a birthday party or whatever it is, like I've got to be prepared. Otherwise, I feel like a little bit like uh, vulnerable and powerless to whatever is about to happen is about to happen to me and I'm not going to be prepared to it or for it. Um, as Caleb and I have constantly sort of renovated what it looks like for us to celebrate Christmas over the years, um, I have more than once felt this feeling about being sort of unprepared around December 25th. And the reason is because early on, Caleb and I said, okay, we're not gonna do presents. We're not gonna like, like that's not gonna be part of our practice. So when you don't do presents on Christmas morning, what do you do? It's like this gaping hole that was like in the schedule. We had all of these other things to do, but it was like pressure, like okay, so is this just going to be a time when our kids sit there and cry about not having presents? Or like what? Like it's a lack not having presents, right? Unless we do something with it. And so uh, I really puzzled about how do you make this day not just an empty day? Which like we kind of want it to be an empty day. Like we don't want it to be full of things, but also like that's kind of sad if it is just empty. Like, this is just an ordinary Saturday or something. So how can we fill it up with some kind of festivities, something that will sort of honor the birth of this king, of this Messiah that we're trying to celebrate? Um, and I think that what I've learned is that if we're not careful in this time of year, we can trade the consumerism of like sort of popular Disney Christmas with sort of like piles of preparations of things that are unique and significant, but also like consume us because they're so hard to do. So they can consume like our time and our money and our energy and our patience and our joy. And so for the sake of Christmas traditions or uh, events that we're doing or planning or things that we have been invited to, uh, we might sacrifice things that maybe we shouldn't. Uh, sacrificing like money we shouldn't or uh, like our sleep or our physical health because we've eaten all the ham um, or like our mental health, because we spent too many days with that person. Now I'm saying more things than I meant to, but, uh, or like our savings or like our personal needs. And then we can like get to the first week of January and we're like totally defeated and like 
We're like, okay, what's your New Year's resolution? My New Year's resolution is not to do this again next year, right? Like, or we get to like December 26th and we're, parents are like, okay, send the kids back to school. Like, let's, let's be done with this thing. Or like send the kids home and all the kids are like, it's time to go home. And, and everyone is just all too ready to be done with it because it has been so much of, a sacrifice that we're like, well, we've got to, like, catch up. And maybe we say, maybe we justify ourselves in planning the things that we plan, thinking, oh, well, like, it's just a week. It's just a day. It's just a few days. Like, I can make it through, right? Like, I can push myself. I can make it through. Um, but you know, the thing about New Year's resolutions, you know, when we get to the end of the new year and we're like, or the beginning of the new year and we're like, okay, that was too much. Like, let's not do this again next year. By like next December, we've like totally forgotten that. I mean, most New Year's resolutions die in February or something. Um, so we end up repeating this cycle over and over again. And we're like, oh, that person threw that party last year and we went, so we got to go again this year because otherwise it's like we hate them or something. Um... And so we fill up, we fill up, we prepare by filling up this like empty manger with like pie and presents and, and preparations and not everything has to be a pee, but you know, songs and lights and stockings and you know, Santa Claus, I guess that has to be a pee or an S. Um, and I just imagine, I have this like picture in my head of like, this uh, manger, this feed box, and it's like full of pie and presents and things, and then like we put baby Jesus on top, and we're like, okay, now just don't wiggle too much, because if you move at all, like this whole thing is going to come crashing down, and we've sort of perfected this like Jesus Tetris, where like Jesus has this one spot and we're trying to fit him into this perfectly coordinated effort that we call Christmas. Yeah. So, maybe, maybe we need a prophet like John the Baptist today who can come in and help us really prepare, help us get it right. And the introduction to our passage today, our Luke passage, tells a lot uh, about John's ministry, right? It tells us that John came, the naming of all of these people uh, that are hard to pronounce, tells us that John came actually in this period of political struggle. John came at a time when there were religious leaders, John came at a time when people were expecting the Messiah, even looking for him. They wondered if John might be the Messiah. And it was in light of these political struggles and in light of this religious establishment. But the word of the Lord came to John, not to the leaders of the religious establishment. And the people expected sort of this Jesus that picked that, that sort of fit into this certain 
kind of Tetris piece that they were expecting. They had these hopes about what a Messiah would do for them politically, socially, religiously. That's what they were hoping for. But they kind of knew how it was all supposed to fit together. And of course they were wrong. And when John came, he came with a very specific purpose to prepare the way for the Messiah, to prepare the path in the midst of the people. But what he didn't offer was some sort of Christmas hack that could be shark tanked and sold in every big box store. And he didn't offer content that could be commoditized or consumed. It was not a product that could be reproduced and scaled. His message didn't come from the center of the religious powers or the political ones, and it wasn't a fancy or nice or even PC message. <clears throat> In the very first part of what he says after the reading in your handout drops off. Verse 7 says, John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, okay, here's how to win friends and influence people, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able to raise up from these stones children of, of Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That was John's message to the people. John didn't give us things but he said instead to prepare. And it's fascinating to me that when someone says to get ready to prepare, when someone says that to me, I don't think at all of the kind of preparation that John was talking about, at all. <laughs> when someone says to me, get ready or prepare, I think of what I'm gonna accumulate in order to be prepared. Now whether that is like knowledge or like actual stuff like food and party decorations or money or something else like it's always it's always something that I need to go and do or need to go and accumulate in order to be prepared for something and that's so interesting to me um, that in my mind preparation is all about getting more of something and it's like piling more onto our overflowing countertops. Daly's at the door over there. Hey! <laughs> piling more onto our overflowing countertops. Some other project to do. Uh, writing more lines in a never-ending to-do list. Preparing more presents that will eventually have to be added to the overflowing bookshelves and drawers and toy bins in our kids' room more events to plan, more stuff to own, more things to do. And John is a prophet in his own time. But prophets and poets have this strange way of saying things that transcend time and space. 
And John was this unique prophet. He was the prophet that was prophesied about, right? So he's like prophet squared. There's some good math things in here if y'all have the ears to hear them. Who prepared this way for Jesus, not by suggesting like the, the best style for this season, and you know, uh, not by planning the most epic Christmas party or showing us how to do that or by baking the most epic Christmas cookies and sharing the recipe with us. By, but by saying instead, stop. Stop what you're doing. Change what you're doing. Repent, meaning turn around and go the other way. You were going this way, turn. Go the other way. Bear the fruit of repentance, he says. Don't say we have Abraham as our father. Don't say, well, we're Christian, right? That would be the other way to say that in our time. So we're good. Uh, do it differently than you've done it. Make room for the manger and for a Messiah that will wiggle that will want to move and mess things up if you try to stack them in on top of everything else. And how do we do this, the people cry? How? And man, John has something to say. Here's what he says. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. And be satisfied with your wages. One commenter summed up these three things that John said in this way. All three answers call for an end to a lifestyle based on greed and the accumulation of material possessions. What did John tell us to do to prepare? Get rid of. Lordy. If people in the first century needed to repent of their greed and the accumulation of material possessions in order to be prepared to welcome the Christ, where is the altar for us today? But when we hear things like this, I think it's very easy that our brains immediately start these sort of political and philosophical gymnastics, we can reframe what John says in very concrete ways, right? Like, we start with, oh, well, that was back then, and there was a certain culture, and then we go from there. Um, and we're not without plenty of accessible sort of differences that we could use to write these words off if we were motivated to. Things are different. Things are difficult. Things are complicated now. Or the tomato example from, uh, what's that show? The Good Place. Tomato example from The Good Place. Y'all know who's 
seen that. But I was reading this uh, little Advent devotional that Richard Rohr wrote this week, uh, and it, pr- it hit me pretty hard, and I think that, you know, like, that is, um, it hit me pretty hard. He says, whatever you trust to validate you and secure you is your real God. And the gospel is saying, will the real God please stand up? He goes on to say, when people say piously, thy kingdom come, out of one side of their mouth, they need to say, my kingdom go, out of the other side. So the question is, where are the places where you seek validation and security? This is so much harder Where does your kingdom need to go in order to make space for this coming king? John is trying to prepare the people to do just that. And in order to do it, he says, you have to give away one of your tunics if you have two. And here is the thing. Here is the the heart of it all, right? Like, it is not about preparing by addition, but by pr- about preparing by subtraction. It is repentance and the way that we have been doing things. It is like a chiropractic adjustment for our misaligned allegiances to the power and money and culture in the world we live. It looks like the creation of literal highways where they... Uh, tear down with dynamite these prideful heights and they fill up these shallow places so that there can be an even level road for a wiggly savior who wants to move. It looks like following the prophet's instruction when they say stop Pay attention. Jesus is on the move here. It looks like the redistribution of closets and bank accounts. The end of personal extortion projects in those tricky little legal ways like the tax collectors and soldiers used in order to take advantage of others who work as slaves in our world while we outlaw it in our country. And I won't say where, but let's just say that some of them live in the Amazon. It looks like the renewal of the law of the people of God or these Ten Commandments in in an incarnational translation for our day. Do not steal. What does that look like today? It is a refresher course on the code of Christian conduct focused on holiness of heart and life. It is individual, if you will, for John. It's about what you do and you do and you do. And the kingdom of God that John says to repent and get ready for, when someone asks, who will care for the poor? Who will will shoulder the financial burden of caring for the poor? Every Christian raises their hand and says, give me that honor. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, John says. The voice of the prophet can be heard today too, if we have ears to hear it. The voice of the prophet from the Spirit of God inside of each of us, can you hear it? 
telling you where the way needs to be made. The Spirit of God has come like the prophet Joel prophesied. Our sons and daughters will prophesy and see visions of a different future. Our old people will dream dreams of a different kingdom coming. Can you hear the voices of the prophetic spirit inside of you? What is she telling you to do? What needs to be cleaned out, getting rid of, given away? Giving away an extra coat to someone who doesn't have one? Emptying out your bank account? Making room for rest and Sabbath in your life? Going to that AA meeting? What is crumpled that needs to be smoothed out? What is wrinkled that needs to be ironed? What is cluttered that needs to be cleaned out? What is full that needs to be emptied? In essence, when we prepare with subtraction instead of addition, when we prepare with subtraction, what is the variable that will make all the difference? When we pair, prepare with subtraction, what is the variable that will make all the difference? What in your life is a stumbling block to Christ's coming in your life? Stop. Repent. Change your way. The prophet is still speaking today, asking, will we also prepare for Jesus' coming? Producing the fruit of repentance. Producing the fruit of repentance is our Advent challenge. What will that mean for you? How will you prepare? Let's pray. Lord, there are so many things to say, so many things to do, But Lord, I pray that even in the midst of all the things that make up our lives, that you would find us and reveal to us where is it that we find our validation? Where is it that we find our security? And I pr pray that you would help us prepare our hearts and our lives in very concrete ways for the coming that you have and you want for us. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.